I'm going to set the mic down while I adjust the stand, but I'm going to keep talking real loud like this. Um, it's kind of hot in here, I realize. I don't know if Tyler did it on purpose, but I'm really grateful that we've got two services outside um, next month. So if you're like, man, I don't know about next Sunday, don't worry. It's going to be right next to the water. It's going to be way cooler. It's going to be great. Um, no, it's good. I, I love being here, whether it's whether it's warm or, or cold, we're, we're, we're thankful to be here. So um, before we jump in, um, we're, we're, I'm going to pray one more time just as we jump into the message and jump into the Word of God. So, Lord, we thank you um, for this morning. Thank you that we get to worship. Thank you that we get to, to dedicate Casper Trash and that we get to, to pray for the Trash family. And, and, and he's excited for that. Um, and thank you, God, that we get to hear your Word, that your Word is good, that you work through your Word. We thank you, God, and we praise you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so um, we've been in the Flourish series, as Tyler mentioned, and we're going to keep going in that. The Flourish series, if, if you haven't been here or maybe um, you, it's been a couple weeks since we really set the stage for it, is based on John chapter 15, and uh, it's, it's talking about spiritual practices, and John chapter 15 is is looking at, you know, Jesus as, as the root and as the vine and, and us being the branches and, and what it means to practice things that we're called to in Scripture and how that helps us to flourish in connection to Him. Another word for flourish that I might use is, is maybe grow or thrive. Um, so we want to maybe thrive in our relationship with Christ. And I'm really excited that I get to share about generosity and get to talk about what Scripture reveals about its impacts on our lives as believers. But before we jump specifically into generosity, I want to set the table a little bit for talking about spiritual practices and why they impact our lives so much, um, why they help us flourish and thrive in our relationship with Christ. Because you see, there is something unique about today's topic in terms of spiritual practices um, that, that it'll be good to talk about first. And that is that generosity is probably one of the more maybe the most tangible spiritual practice that we're going to talk about in this series. What I mean by tangible and generosity being that is, is, is you, can, you can measure it. You can really see it when it takes place a lot of the time. Um, and that isn't always the case for spiritual practices, right? If you think about prayer, um, it can sometimes be def- difficult to see the effects, right? You, you might say, hey, well, yeah, I know I prayed for something. I know how long I prayed, but you might not know immediately or maybe even long term or maybe not even until you get to heaven the impact that that prayer had on your life or on others' lives. And, and so that makes it difficult sometimes to see a clear connection or a tangible connection between prayer and our world. Um, generosity, on the other hand, is at least from our view as humans, is, is much easier to see, right? If I give someone some money, maybe my neighbor is in need, it's, hey, things are tough, it's, hey, here's some money. Um, I can watch them go and, and use that money to pay their bills or buy food, and, and now they've gone from, you know, not having water going to their house maybe because they couldn't pay their water bill or, or not having food, and, and now their water's at their house. They're no longer hungry, and, and, I, and that might be kind of weird, like, wow, Brian, when you help people, do you follow them afterwards and watch them pay their... It's not the point I'm making. The point I'm making, though, is it's pretty, you know, that can be easy to see, or, or maybe your neighbor paint his house all by himself. He's got a big two-story house, and you say, hey, can I help you paint your house? And I have some paint on my hands. That, that wasn't what I was doing, but I was painting, not artistically. Um, so don't come up afterwards and be like, oh, Brian, can I see what you did? And it was literally 
concrete slabs. So, um, but let's say I, you know, I go and I help my neighbor paint. I can look and I can say, hey, look, the house looks great. I can see the generosity, the paint. I did it, and my neighbor's happy because it took him half as long, and he's pumped. His house looks good. So, so that's that's what I want to say, right? Is it? It's tangible. You know, you help someone at the grocery store. You you see that, and and the reason I start with that is because before we jump into the concept of generosity, this really tangible spiritual practice, we have to make sure, though, that we know that it is in no less way spiritual than all the other spiritual practices. Okay, it might be more tangible from our perspective, but when we think about God and how he's working, it's it's no less spiritual. And as we as we see that, we, we, we don't want to miss that as we go through this. And this is true because as we function generously in response to who we are in Christ, there is actually more going on than meets the eye. And, th- and that's the case with every spiritual practice. Even the ones where we think, well, I don't even see it that much. There's even more going on. And that's, that's true for all of them. And that's because as Christians, as we live our lives, as we go about and as we act, we are filled with and moved by the power of the Holy Spirit. Scripture tells us in Titus 3, 6, he poured out his spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. As we aren't just friends with Jesus, we aren't just, you know, hoping to fit in with his crew. God doesn't say, hey, go and be generous because, you know, God's doing all his work, but he's like, sure, I could use some generosity sprinkles from you guys. That would be nice. No, God has chosen that many of his blessings on earth, full of spiritual influence, will be done through his people as they obey his word. Okay? So, therefore, if we believe in the Holy Spirit, then we must also believe that obedience to God's word has a spiritual effect. Okay? If we believe in the Holy Spirit, then we must believe that obedience to God's word has a spiritual effect. So whether it's a very tangible, hey, I see what I'm doing, I can see it here, or maybe I can't see it at all, right? Last week, uh, Lloyd talked a little bit about connection, and some of it was like, man, that might be tough to see sometimes. Because we believe in the Holy Spirit, there's a spiritual effect. And that spiritual effect isn't just for those we are generous to. So it's not just, hey, I gave to that person, I see the tangible, there's spiritual going on. But God is transforming not only others, but ourselves as well. And that's why generosity is part of this Flourish series. 2 Corinthians 3, 17, 18 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We all with unveiled faces are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and being transformed into the same image from the glory to us. And somehow that cut off. But we're going to keep going. Um, You guys can see the rest of it. I'm going to read it. The glory, this is from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Glory? Yeah. You get it. You read it. You can, all, can anyone not read? Don't raise your hand. Um, the, the point, though, there is, is that when we're doing these spiritual practices, we're beco- coming to look more like Jesus. So even when we're doing one as well that looks outward like this, God is drawing us near to him. And our growth in Christ, it's it's a spiritual event. And it isn't just by our power as well. That's another thing we need to remember. Even though you may say, hey, I'm I'm giving my time or my money, it isn't by our power that this change takes place. So even as we are obedient and generosity, seeing tangible actions and reactions, we must remember that the most important work in this is the spiritual work that is being done in us and in others. God's work is being done. And that's why we got to take seriously the development of our connection to God by remaining in him and him in us. Because he loves to do his work in and through us by being in relationship with us 
and in leading us to obedience to his word. If we go back to John 15, it, it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. And friends, how amazing that God has chosen that we are to take part in his work in our lives and in others' lives. He, he says, I want to work in your heart. He wants to work in others' hearts. And, and here's what you're going to do. He, he, he says, I want you to be a part of that. I want to do this work. And he says, take part in it with me as well. And not because he needs us, but because he wants us to be involved in his work. In this world, he wants our hearts to be a part of how he moves. Now, I'll be honest. I didn't always understand it like this. I didn't always see generosity as this, you know, hey, I need to really understand it in scripture and really spiritual. Um, instead, I just kind of, you know, assumption, a gut reaction on this is probably what generosity looks like. This is what I'm pretty sure scripture says about it. And um, that turned out that sometimes my generosity wasn't, wasn't what we're looking at today. I, and it's always a slippery slope. I know for me, it's always a slippery slope when I just go with my gut reaction, my kind of, I think this is what scripture says. Um, my interpretation is, is usually pretty wrong. In high school, um, and a few years after, I had a buddy I hung out with a lot. And he was kind of that friend who, who was always bumming money, and, you know, we'd, we'd go to Denny's, and, and we'd get there, and we'd order our food, and he'd be, oh, hey, by the way, I don't have any money. Um, anyone have that friend? Some of us did. Some of us did. And he was a good friend. He was a great dude. But, you know, sometimes it was like, oh, man, all right. But, uh, but I was always like, hey, man, I got you. I'll, I, I, I love hanging out with you. I want you to be here. I'd, I'd cover him. And, and um, so those happened. And it just kind of added up over time. And I didn't really think much about it. But eventually, uh, at some point, I started to realize, oh, man, I am so generous. I am, like, so good to this friend. I'm awesome. And I mean, just, he's so needy, like, oh, no wonder good things happen in my life. Like, I'm, I'm buying my buddy food all the time. The Lord is blessing me. And uh, I, I remember when I, thinking that when I'd, I'd gotten a, a good paycheck and everything, and, and those things happened, I really love, I, I, I mean, and this is a horrible thought, but I was like, man, I really am reaping the benefits of, of what I've sowed with this friend. And, and as you can probably guess, pride was taken over in my heart. Even though I was being generous as, as, I, as I thought, I, I really wasn't being obedient to God's word. I wasn't being generous as he had called me. My heart was not in the right spot. And to, to probably none of your surprise, um, my heart started to twist, and eventually I got to the point where I was like, you know what? I deserve some of that money back. I, I should have that money. Like, I've given him a lot of money. I, I could use some money. And and I, you know, when I went to him, and I kind of, I let him know, you know, like, I've been really generous to you. I've been a really good friend. Um, but I think you should start paying me back for how great I've been to you. Um, and slowly over time, I had him pay me back and continue to remind him of how generous I was. And eventually, you know, we got to this point, and, and, and embarrassingly, he, he did. I remember the day that it was like, hey, yeah, cool, you are, you are paid off. And uh, as you can imagine, that friendship didn't last much beyond that. That friendship was just sort of on the slow train to death. And, and, and guys, it's because Christ, his generosity is not like that. When, when he's calling us to generosity, he's calling us to more than just saying, like, hey, I, I did a generous act. Right? My generosity turned to pride. It turned to entitlement. And, and that changed a lot of what was going on there. 
And, and so I think that's why it's so important that we, we, we talk about it and that we look at it because it's not just about just about throwing and saying, hey, yeah, I, I gave and, and I'm good, I'm covered. Because it's, it's about our hearts and it's about the hearts of other people. And I probably didn't have a positive effect on his heart. I, don't, I haven't talked to him in years, so maybe somehow he's turned that story into like, you know what, Brian, it's kind of lame, but my heart is encouraged. But I don't, that wasn't because I did something right. And my heart struggled through that. And, and as I look around in life, I start to realize, like, man, there is a lot of generosity in the world that I don't think is really actually helping hearts. I think about, you know, the, 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 the preachers who, who maybe fly their private jet to a place where, where there's poverty, and they say, hey, you know what, if you just are generous with, with your money, you know, God's definitely going to reward you, and, and, and you're going you're gonna to have a ton of financial blessing. I, I, personally, I don't, I don't see, how, I don't see that as, as a heart. That, that turns to Christ. I, I, I don't see when someone says, you know what, I just need to give because I've got guilt and shame in my life and I just need to give, I just need to bury that. I, I, don't, I don't think, you know, I, I think it's, it's honorable to want to do the right thing, but, but I don't think that just burying our guilt and shame by, by trying to do something right helps our heart. Right? I mean, Jesus died for us. He didn't say bury your shame. He said, let's take it to the cross. Or maybe the, the person who gives the gift to another person but then says, hey, but don't forget, I gave you that gift. You know, you got you kind of owe me. Maybe not the same thing in reward, right? I don't, I don't think that's the heart of Christ in giving. Or maybe those who flaunt their gifts and are like, "Hey, check it out, everybody! I just, I just. Did you hear what I did the other day? Did you hear all the money I gave? Did you hear all the time that I spent over here?" And, and, and that's not to say that that again, that time wasn't well spent. If you go to the, if you go to the the lighthouse mission and you serve food and, and you help homeless people, like you went, you did that, and that time is there. But, but I think, again, God looks down and he says, well, what about your heart? And so it it's, it's feels confusing for me initially of like, man, we can be generous and good things can happen, but there's still a point missed. And I think that scripture reveals to us the bigger purpose of generosity. I know that there's more that God is calling to us in generosity than generosity that, that maybe helps one person but doesn't help my rotten heart. So... Friends, we're going to look today at how we can experience thriving in a relationship with Christ and how generosity is more than just helping somebody get their groceries into their car, more than just painting a house, but that there is so much more going on in how we are loving and helping them, but also in how Christ is working in our hearts. Do we want to go there? Is that all right if we go there? I know I'm like bringing this down. I don't know. We're going we're gonna to come back up, guys. Holy Spirit's going to rise us up. Um, because, you see, I had all these ways that I saw generosity in my life that didn't make sense. But then I, I knew this young couple, um, some friends of mine, they were similar age to me, and they, they kind of said, you know, we, he said, I want to be, my wife and I are really trying to be committed to the Word of God and what it calls us to in generosity. And we're going to tithe, we're going to give our time, we're really just going to try to do these things. And I remember it wasn't long before he was like, Brian, there are things going on in my life, like God is working in our hearts, and we don't understand it we don't fully get it but we just know that our obedience to that has made a change and so today i want to press into saying like what what can we do how does generosity how does that obedience transform our hearts and change our lives when we're looking at christ so we're going to have a pretty basic question for today um, and we're going to have i'm going to have a couple answers but but the question if you take notes or you you're got the mental note and you're just going to hold one thing in your mind hold this in your mind as we go through um, and that is 
How does generosity help us flourish in life and in our relationship with God? Okay, how does generosity help us flourish in life and in our relationship with God? Because we know that it's not about burying our guilt and shame. We know that it's not about, you know, trying to kind of help ourselves by helping others or maybe even tricking them or whatever, or, or IOUs. It's not about any of that. We know that like that family that said, man, we were obedient and God is working our hearts and lives. We know that's what it is. So our first encouragement in this question, how does generosity help us flourish in life and in our relationship with God is this. Um, is that generosity is instructed in Scripture as well as exemplified through action. Okay, generosity is instructed, instructed in Scripture and exemplified throughout it. We can move forward with generosity knowing that the God of the universe is at work through Christian generosity. Why? Because God calls us to things that brings us closer to Him. He would not call you to do something that doesn't bring you closer to Him. God doesn't say, hey, go do this thing, and, and side note, it's not really going to help our relationship, I just want you to go do it. No, everything that God calls us to do brings us closer to him. So we already have that fact right there, that because it is instructed in scripture and it is exemplified in scripture, we know that it's going to draw us near to him. It's going to help us to thrive in our relationship with him. And the main passage for today that we're going to look at is going gonna, is gonna to show us a lot of the ways that that takes place. And it's in 2 Corinthians, and, and at this point in the letter, Paul as he's writing to the Corinthian church, he's talking about their commitment to generosity for the gospel mission. Um, and, and Titus is going to come, and he's going to collect some a generous gift that they have and for the church in Jerusalem. So that's what Paul's going to be talking about here. So in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 15, it says, The point is this, the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make every grace overflow to you, so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. As it is written, he distributed freely, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will also provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for all generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the proof provided by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedient confession to the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone. And as they pray on your behalf, they will have deep affection for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. That's a long passage. There's a lot in there. There's a, and, there's a, and, and it's all on generosity, but there's a lot of points. Um, and I'm only going to scratch the surface here, but I think that there's some really, really big ways that we can pull out and see how God is drawing us near to him to thrive in relationship with him to generosity through those passages. And the first one that I see is that it creates in us a Christ-like posture before our king. Okay? When we're being generous, when we're being obedient to God's word and generosity, it creates in us a Christ-like posture before our king. And posture is important because connection takes place in how we are with each other. Right? If you and I went to coffee and you were just so kind, you said, hey, Brian, how's it going? I'm sitting over here. Hey, I already bought your coffee. And you're being nice. You're asking questions. You're just you're just there, and you're investing in our relationship, and you're working hard for it. And I walk over to them like, what up? I don't know. I don't really want to be here today, but sure, you got me coffee. Like, that's cool. 
maybe I just, I just didn't really have a good time at all. I was rude the whole time. And, and, and no matter how hard you tried, I was rude. I, I, maybe I made jokes at your expense. Maybe I just lied. Who knows? But if, if that was what the connection that we had was like, until I started having a different posture, our connection, our relationship would not be able to flourish. Because if we want to experience a great relationship, it takes place when both people are postured to saying, hey, how's it going? Let, I, I want to give. I want to receive. And so if I'm sitting there just being the jerk, no matter how nice you're being, our relationship is not going to be one that thrives. But if my posture shifted and I said, hey, hey, man, oh, my gosh, thank you for this coffee. I'm so excited. How are you? Thank you for asking how I'm doing. Right? That would immediately start to build a different relationship between us. And so that's why our posture is so important. And generosity teaches us how to have a Christ-like posture. And there's, there's four Christ-like postures that it teaches us. The first one that I noticed going through this, reading through that passage, is that it teaches us a posture of joy. Okay, it teaches us a posture of joy. If we go back to that section in, in 2 Corinthians, right, the, the, the third verse in there, second verse in there, it says, each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. Friends, Jesus doesn't want us to feel loathing or pressured when we give. Now, Scripture isn't denying that, 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 that giving could might be hard or potentially painful. I think it actually is acknowledging the difficulty of it by encouraging you to give cheerfully. It's saying, hey, there's a reason to not give cheerfully. Some people don't, but it encourages us. So it's acknowledging that, that giving can be tough and that it can be difficult. But it teaches us a posture of joy in the midst of those difficult things, those things that, that it's like, this could be really tough, but there can actually be joy in this. And, and, and now I don't think we get a free pass here either because, it, you know, it says, hey, you know, um, each person should give as they've decided in their heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, right? It, I don't think this is a big pass for you to say, well, I'm, you know, I feel pretty reluctant, so clearly I shouldn't give, right? I think if, I think if that's the case, to be honest, I, I think you've, you've got to pray about that. You, you've got to, to seek the Lord um, and pray that he'd change your heart in that. But we've got to realize that he wants us to be joyful in following his instructions not reluctant, and not feeling forced to. And we see that this joy is a result not only of, of doing it, but of doing it thoughtfully and intentionally. So if we're being obedient to Scripture and being thoughtful and intentional about giving, about being generous, then the Lord says we will, we will learn to be a cheerful giver. We will learn to have a Christ-like posture as we give to others. And that might take time, but I believe that practicing praying and working towards cheerful giving with Christ at your side will help you thrive in your relationship. Another posture that it teaches is a posture of humility. Philippians 2, 3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Right? It teaches us a Christ-like posture of humility. That passage actually goes on, and it talks about Jesus' humility and how Jesus took on the form of a human and became a servant to all and became humbled himself even to the obedience to death. Right? Jesus was humble. If anybody was humble, Jesus was humble. And being able to give and be generous, guys, that teaches us to humility. And that's a Christ-like posture. And if we want to look like Christ and we experience Him more, then we've got to seek humility. And generosity is a way that, that we see here in Scripture, as we're called to it, that God is going to teach us humility. The Spirit is going to work through us and teach us humility. Because 
as we're being obedient, as we're looking to be joyfully generous, we'll then begin to see that humility work in our lives. And if we do this, he's going to create that in our hearts, but also he's going to put it and create that in others, right? It takes humility to accept the gift. So the way that God is working is not just in us, but again, it's, it's also in others that we're generous to. Another posture that it teaches is another Christ-like posture that it teaches us is it teaches us a posture of trust. I think this one's probably pretty easy to see in generosity, but, but even laid out in, in, our, in our main passage today in verse 8, it says, And God is able to make every grace overflow to you, so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. Who wants to believe that? Who wants to believe that God is able to make every grace overflow to you? Right? Amen to that. Okay? So, but the same God that says that is also like, oh, side note, I want you to be generous and like give stuff away and give your time away and give your services. Church, we have a God who can be trusted. We have a God who, who, who can be trusted in life and in death. He says, you can trust me and side note, I want you to give and you can continue to trust me. And, and, and here's the thing with the trust one, guys. I, I know for me, I, this one does not come naturally. I pray that, that as I seek to be more generous in my life, that I learn this one. When I gave my life to, to, to Christ, I grew up in a Christian home, and, and I remember going to, to a camp when I was 15 and, and really saying, oh, my goodness, this is crazy. I'm going to do that. And I'd love to think that when I gave my life to Jesus on a beach in eastern Washington, that it was just like, whoo, trust issues are gone. But, but I think we know that's, that's not true. And, and Jesus knows that not, that's not true. He knows that you wake up in the morning, and there's mornings where you say, God, I don't know if I can trust you before I get my coffee at least. Like, can we talk trust after I've had a couple cups of those? Right? Like, God, God knows that. But he also knows that if you trust him more, you will remain in him more, and you will flourish as a branch in his vine more. And so that's why he says, hey, go and give. Because when we give, he teaches us to trust him more. He works through us spiritually to grow and trust to him. And these are the things that will grow us in trusting our Savior is going out and being obedient. And guys, because he is good. He will take care of us. He doesn't call you to give and be like, hey, give all your stuff and side note, you're, you know, you're going to die because of it. You're, and, and your life is gone and, and don't, heaven, who knows? No, even in the moments when you say, God, I'm giving everything. I don't even know how I'll eat, how I'll live, how I'll be hungry. He says, guys, I'm, I've, I've got you for eternity. So much more beyond this life. Right? In 2 Corinthians 8, 12, it says, For if the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. And I think that verse adds the second part of this trust piece. Is not only do we need to trust him when it's like, I, I, I maybe have a lot in this area, and I feel like, I'm, 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 can I have less? But for those of us who are like, Brian, like, that's great. Like, I, I'd love to trust the Lord and, and, and give more stuff, but I don't have anything to give. You also can understand that you can trust God and grow and trust in him because he says right there in that passage that if the eagerness is there the gift is acceptable he isn't saying like oh man like that dollar amount's pretty low or what you you're weak and you can only give that much time or that much help no he says if the eagerness is there the gift is acceptable according to what a person has or sorry not uh, the gift is acceptable according to for what a person has not according to what he does not have so it's like the, the, the lady in the temple who Jesus saw, and she gave two pennies. And he's like, that's like all she has. And there's all these people over here that are giving a lot, and they're giving way more than her, but all she has is two pennies. This passage right here speaks to that. 
because she was eager to give what she had. And she was not worried about what she didn't have because she knew that God values what you have, what you have to give for him. And in the mission field and in the spiritual practices, he doesn't expect you to have what someone else has and give that. He says, I know what you have. I want your heart to be with me. And that teaches us to trust him because we know that he defines the value. He doesn't look at us and go, oh, ooh, man, I can't believe I'm asking anything of them. No, because he sees value in all of us. He instructs all of us to it because he understands the true value of what you have to give. The fourth posture that it teaches us is a posture of sacrifice. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When we give to others of things that are important to us, we begin to experience the beauty of sacrifice. Christ gave his life for us, and he calls us to do the same for him. This life with Christ isn't a, you know, some, oh, he died for me, and this is great, so I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing, and, and I'm just glad that I got this sweet buffer now that takes me to heaven. No, it, it, is, it is so much more than that, because Jesus is not of this world. When he calls us into a relationship with him, he calls us into a life of sacrifice. Not one of holding all of our things and holding on to them tightly. No, he calls us to a life that has things like generosity in the name of Christ. And he's going to teach us through that about his sacrificial nature and how that can become, how we can become like that. That's why Jesus wasn't speaking lightly when he says in John 12, 25, the one who loves his life will lose it. And the one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. How else does generosity impact it? I mean, you look at that, that is such a key piece in it. When, when, when Jesus calls us to sacrifice, he, isn't, he, he is saying, like, I need you to let go of things. Right? There's, we, we, you know, I, I think boundaries right now is, a, is an important conversation that we're having in life. And we're saying, hey, I need to set boundaries and I need to take care of myself. And the thing is, is God is saying, hey, but between me and you, there can't be boundaries. And that might be a scary thought. You might be like, yeah, but what about, what about rest? What about taking care of myself? When, when, when God says, hey, you know, I'm calling you to lose your life. He's not saying, I'm, I'm not going to take care of you. The same God that calls you to generosity and giving your life for him and living sacrificially and saying, there's, there's got to be no boundaries between us. Let's go. That same God also says, oh, by the way, you need to take a day of rest every week. You need to rest because you need it. You need to, to just be with your family and take care of yourself. So we, we know that that God who calls us to sacrifice can be trusted with sacrifice. Therefore, we can humbly and joyfully give and that's why we learn that through generosity. There's a couple more things that it teaches us that we're going to look at. Um, it teaches us to love others. And, and going back to the original question, right? How does generosity help us to thrive in our relationship with Christ? It teaches us to love others. John 15, 11, and 12 say, I have told you these things so that you may, so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. Friends, how amazing that God doesn't leave us hanging in how to love one another, or even how important it is, right? How amazing that he said, he doesn't just say like, hey, I, I want you to just go love other people and, and do that. I'm going to do my thing over here. No, he, he wants to grow with you as you grow in obedience. I like to think about God's love when he, when he says, love one another as I have loved you. When he's calling us to do something, it's like, it's like a, a really good parent, maybe, who says, hey, hey, Brian. Hey, Billy. Hey, Susie. Be kind to your friends. Be really kind to your friends, right? And there's a lot of parents who probably say that, and you're like, well, I mean, they're not very kind. But God is not that parent. God is the parent 
who says, hey, go be kind to your friends. And then when those friends come over, that kid is like, oh, my gosh, my dad is so kind to my friends. He loves them. He treats them so well. Because, you see, when God calls us to loving others, he's like, I'm, I'm right there loving them with you, too. He isn't calling you to something that he's saying over here, standing and watching. Like, All right, good. I'm glad you're doing that. I don't feel like being loving. No, he's like, I am, want to be loving them with you. And Jesus gave this command because he already has been doing that as well. He exemplified love through his life, death, and resurrection. And throughout scripture and passages like this one from 2 Corinthians on generosity, his word teaches us about that love. We see the love happening as the Corinthian church is wanting to, to, to bless and love on that church in Jerusalem that is in need of help. And what's so beautiful about this command is not only does God say, I want to take part in loving others with you, it says our love for others grows our relationship with Christ. Right? If something is a command in Scripture, that's God saying, I want to, I want to grow our relationship through this. And it makes us look like him. It connects us even more with him. And that's because he wants us to be a part of his saving work that he is doing. He wants us to experience the transformation that's happening in our life as well. The last thing, um, sorry, the last two things uh, we'll go through quickly here. Um, it leads ourselves and others to worshiping our king. When we're giving generously, when we're doing it obediently and seeking God, we are led to worship our king because we know that we can trust him. We see the work that he's doing in others' lives. But it leads others to worshiping our king because they will see and, and maybe not even understand, like, why is this person giving? Why is this person doing this or helping me? And when we're pointing to Jesus, that gives them the chance to say, this God must be great, that, that they would give God up. 2 Corinthians 9.13 says, Because of the fruits provided by his ministry, they will glorify God for your obedient confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and everything. It's right there. The church in Jerusalem was worshiping God because of the generosity that was taking place in Corinth. And the church in Corinth was worshiping God through that generosity. The last thing is that it reveals our sin. Generosity helps us to thrive in our relationship with God because it reveals our sin. Maybe it's a sin of greed as you hold on to things and you're just like, I just can't part with all my stuff. It's all mine. Even, even as God's convicting you, like, I don't know, God, maybe not. Maybe something else. I'll make someone a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. That'll be, that'll be my generosity. Or maybe it's pride, right? Mine was pride, right? Maybe it's pride and that you're just like, look at me. I'm so awesome. I'm just a giver, Right? Or maybe, or, or maybe it's hatred. Maybe the sin that's being revealed in your heart is hatred because maybe you're sitting there and be like, you know what? I'd be down to give, but not to them. Not to, even though they need it, even though I might feel called to it, I just, I just couldn't bring myself to it. Or maybe it's, maybe it's just laziness. Maybe God is revealing laziness as you're in your heart as you're like, yeah, I guess I have kind of been putting off being generous for like a long time now because it just has never been the right time. I don't know. God might be revealing one of those sins in your hearts. And the reason that that brings us closer to God is because as we see in Scripture, it says God has not called us to impurity, but to live in holiness. Friends, God reveals our sin not to shame us. If I just listed something there and you're like, oh man, shoot, like, yeah, that's it for me. God doesn't reveal that to shame you. But to show us the state of our hearts and how much we need him. To help us better understand the seriousness of the cross. 
and to remind us that he sent his son to die on it, but that also that he says not only did he die, but he rose again, and, this, and, and, and I'm washing your sin clean, and I want to bring you close. And he says, I want you to know your sin, though, here, because I, I don't want that to hinder our relationship, right? Sin is, is the, these might be some of the biggest hindrances in helping your life and your relationship with God thrive. And he says, I want to reveal them to you so that we can pray and work through it, and I can get those out of your life so we can be close to him. And the most important point in all this, though, that I want to make sure you understand is we see all those things that take place, these ways that God makes us look more like him, is we need to remember that generosity starts with God. Generosity starts with God. It doesn't start with you having the stuff or the time to give. It doesn't happen as a result of what you've done, like, oh, I've positioned myself.